my guys. Hello. Do you work for the NHS? Uh, no. Who do you work for? For community fiber. So what are you laying? Uh, fiber. Fiber. What kind of fiber? Fiber optic, 5G ones. But you're not supposed to be within two meters of each other, and you're supposed to be uh, essential. Is this essential work? Uh, I think so. I don't know. He just sent me to do the job. I just can't. So I don't understand. It's not essential, and you don't work for the NHS. So why are you doing it? Does it not negate the government's guidelines? Yeah, if you want to make a complaint. Who I do I complain to? Who's, who's your boss? Uh, I have a number for the courtesy board. Where is the white van and the red barriers? If you want to call. But do you know what you're doing now? You're laying 5G? Yeah. You realise that, don't you? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So, do you know that kills people? You know when they turn this on, it's going to kill everyone, and that's why they're building the hospitals? Yeah, but every, How do every, you feel? Do you have children? Uh, no, I'm young. Do you have parents? Uh, uh, just, just my mum. Well, how do you feel that when you when they turn that switch on, bye bye mama, are you are you content to continue doing that job? Are they paying you well enough to kill her? You've just admitted that you're laying 5G. So that's basically why we're all inside, why you've got free reign of London. No? Everybody's won 5G. Well, everyone will be dead. So who's going to be playing on the internet? And who's going to be on their PlayStations? We'll all be in hospital with um, on breathing apparatus. Why do you think they're building 25,000 sort of um, concentration camps of death in the London Excel right now? It's because of this wire here. have a funny anecdote about conspiracy theories they could share to just kick it off no the but the illuminati exists and i want to be in it i don't i don't i don't have anything funny i've just been sort of following them since i was about 15 or 16 because i have a friend a pen pal friend in norway who's like the most rational person that i know and he just started revealing to me like these flat earth societies like he would send me these websites and you know it was like what the early 2000s so they were all really weird to begin with graphically and we would just like laugh our asses off at this like flat earth the idea of the flat earth society and all the evidence that people were dragging up to prove it it's not a funny anecdote you had to be there i guess (laughs) i don't know how this translates but um i went to a church for a long time and they used to have a chili cook-off and um, at one of the chili cookoffs, the whole time I'm in this church, I'm in college and I'm specifically in um, the anthropology department and specifically studying uh, physical anthropology. So evolution is the basis of it. So at this chili cookoff, the kids give a skit about how we don't come from monkeys. So a lot of the times they would have to explain. Also, this was a church that basically believed that the earth was 6000 years old. And I don't know if that translates into a conspiracy theory, but a lot of the time I would have to explain to people why I don't um, believe that the earth is 6,000 years old. And like the anecdote I would always use, use comes from Star Trek when he meets God, quote unquote. And um, 
the answer that he the thing he asked Shatner God is uh yeah Shatner is the original and he asked God classic why would God need a spaceship and that's how I would frame it to him because I would tell him I believe in God because I don't believe God needs to be a micromanager so I don't know it's kind of how the conspiracy theories endure like you know finding dinosaur bones that were planted there by the devil or right. what have you and that's that's kind of how I come to conspiracy theories, the, the ones that aren't real, of course. Are you telling me that uh, God's not in the PMC? I don't, I don't know if that's one of the, that's, that's one for you, man. That's, that's your conspiracy theory. You, you explain the God PMC. Trick question. PMC is God. Um, okay. So what are conspiracy theories? What are the, what are some of them? First, maybe we'll get some on the table and then, uh, and try to try to make sense of what yeah. it could be that's happening. What separates conspiracy theories from, you know, like uh, skepticism, broadly? Kind of right. So, um, I don't know. I have a couple of uh, examples, and I'm sure that Thaddeus and, and everyone else can, um, you know, fill in some of my gaps. But I, th- I, I mean, if you're going to try and categorize like the conspiracy theory, I'd say. Um, you have like in general, um, the very old ones that can be just like the medieval European ones that could be described as like largely anti-Semitic in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, like the idea that, um, Jews are, uh, stealing Christian children and drinking their blood and, um, that, that conspiracy theory or that fear um, that, that was very instrumental to a group of people, um, throughout many centuries, especially when they were trying to incite a pogrom. And I mean, when you're looking at evolutions of that theory, you have something like the adrenochrome theory, which do you guys know about that one? No, I don't. Nope. Please enlighten me. What is that? Um, so the adrenochrome theory, I think it's been around for a while, but it became, um, popularized through uh fear and loathing in las vegas which was written in the 70s that's kind of when it came to everybody's radar but it's this idea that um well adrenochrome being like a form of adrenaline um is something that um you know gives people um something close to immortality and currently it's circulating a lot around QAnon types of people i think it kind of had a revival around the pizzagate um, mm-hmm. theories around 2016, like when the, um, WikiLeaks, uh, published, uh, Podesta's emails. So this idea that like, um, liberal elites, especially in Hollywood, <laughs> so like across the arts and politics, um, are stealing children's adrenaline so that they can live forever. So that's like the more sophisticated version of the, so you've got the high and low that's the high version and the low version is the one about Satan worshiping pedophiles or something. Is that, um, I think it just sort of, I mean, we can like, I think Thaddeus's question is an interesting one. Like what, what is the relationship between the conspiracy or is there a difference between a conspiracy and just like healthy skepticism and what, how do we categorize those differences or like to what extent is skepticism essential to having a conspiracy? And in the case of like the way that this fits into Pizzagate, I would say that, you know, when the Podesta emails were published, like they were taken to with a microscope and there was a lot of reading in between the lines. Like there was mm-hmm. the Marina Abramovich, like the, what was that called? Um, 
the that weird um, art happening that she organized oh, where yeah. the artist is present. Oh, it's it was called like oh shoot, what, I've what forgotten. Happens? Is it the one where she's just sitting there in the museum? That's the artist's present. Okay. Yeah, I saw that and was instantly bored and walked away. Well, there was there was a happening that was organized with Marina Abramovich and Podesta was there, and it involved like blood. I want to say, <laughs> mm. and um, it was in the or maybe an invitation or something was in Podesta's inbox, and so people like really freaked out about. Ah, this artistic experiment i can't remember now what the what the what the happening was because called, the though. rabble masses are so out of tune with art they can only they can only apprehend that as some kind of weird alien exotic like a cult thing yeah, yeah. and it, and then you know the pizza gate pizza gate itself like the idea that there was this like pizza restaurant in dc where children were being trafficked um what was I mean? It's called PizzaGate, right? The or no, yeah, it's right. not called PizzaGate. Well, no, 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 no. It was like what is it called? Like Comet Co- Pizza. Comet, yeah, Comet Pizza. Um, yeah, Pizza. Then PizzaGate being the scandal. Yeah, that. I mean, like that. That that was just because of the number of times that pizza was referenced in the Podesta emails. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, that's all, that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. They just said pizza a bunch of times, yeah. and so, yeah. Huh. yeah. They, I mean, link the two. I wonder. I mean, it seems to me that like you, the relationship between conspiracies and skepticism is pretty shallow or pretty tenuous because you, you need like in, in what in what sense is a conspiracy necessarily a skeptical mm-hmm. position? Mm-hmm. Because often conspiracies require an enormous amount of positing of. Like there's an enormous amount of suppositions being made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of there are a lot of beliefs involved in that purported doubting of beliefs. Right, you know? right. Or or um, you know, just a ton of circumstantial mm-hmm. sort of evidence. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, a, a healthy skeptic would say this is circumstantial. You actually can't mm-hmm. make these kinds of claims. Mm-hmm. But what about an unhealthy skeptic? I mean, when I, so, I mean, in philosophy, it depends, you know, uh, which, which school you're in, I guess. But, um, you know, skepticism can, we can use the word healthy skepticism, you know, don't be a sucker. Don't believe everything you hear. But skepticism among some philosophers is, is intrinsically unhealthy because, or uh, wrong, misguided or whatever, because basically what it is, is the view that at least the modern version of skepticism is you um, you just doubt everything, the appearance of everything. It seems to be that this is the case. Nope, nope, it's not like that. What if it's not like that? How do I know how it is? Um, and so a lot of people think you know, of skepticism as a kind of confusion or error, like um, um, just however things appear to be, maybe they're not that way. That That's a kind of cognitive pathology um in some people's view and so i mean one thing i think is that there's a sort of you were already pointing this out adam there's a kind of interesting dialectic involved there because basically i think people who subscribe to these extravagant conspiracy theories basically they don't want to be a sucker they don't want they're like you know i'm not a i'm Mm -hmm. not a stooge i'm not you know john smith anybody who believes all the lies i'm you know i i'm in the know i'm i'm a skeptic well, it tips over into the other, it tips over, it goes from doubting everything to believing these 
incredibly extravagant, nonsensical things that have no semblance, no appearance of evidence. And so I think that that's, that's an interesting characteristic, but also you said the way that they link things, um, the, the way that the way that connections are made between disparate stuff is very interesting to me. Like pizza appears a bunch. Okay. So therefore, I mean, how does that inference work? Right. So um, I just, I wanted to fill in that gap that I had earlier. I remembered it. Um, it's spirit cooking was the, the event mm. that John Podesta was taking part in. The word spirit cooking um, really yes. triggered a lot of people on the right. Yeah. Sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sense. it was it was just some like, you know, fancy schmancy artists gathering. Marina Abramovic is interestingly enough Serbian, which we might get to talking about why I, I'm interested in conspiracy theories to begin with towards um, the end of this program. But um, um, I mean, I think that, uh, like you said, um, or like you were both arguing, maybe the word skepticism indicating a kind of like a position, like a sort of a mode of inquiry isn't really the, the the best way to think about how conspiracies work, but there's this sort of like I was I was mentioning earlier. Adam Curtis just came out with a new documentary, a six part documentary called "Can't Get You Out of My Head," and I mean, what he says is that people look for patterns when they believe mm-hmm. in these conspiracies. They're just looking for patterns. I mean, they've abandoned the notion of a narrative. There isn't any kind of truth seeking involved. It's just like not at least not to begin with, right? Like you're coming to this endeavor with your your presuppositions about what's happening, and your presupposition is that you're being fucked. Like you, I'm sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can't yeah, say that, but like, <laughs> like you said, Daniel, like they they don't want to be they don't want to lose. You don't know they don't want to be they don't want to be conned by by mm-hmm. whoever they think mm-hmm. is in power. Um. So yeah, I mean that the the inherent bias is already there like i'm i'm uh not going to allow myself to be exploited or or to to have my mind you know um uh sort of whatever instrumentalized for these people up there Mm -hmm. um so yeah them up there in german dida oben it's like this whole you know this Mm -hmm. this puppet master idea and then um they're just looking in the beginning really for patterns to confirm those biases i guess is how you can call it so I'd, maybe it's even the opposite of skepticism because skepticism requires a kind of rigorous like mm-hmm. working through of things right mm-hmm. certainly classical skepticism yeah i mean i've always thought of conspiracy theories i mean i've, I've thought about <laughs> conspiracies in a number of ways one is i think that there's a sort of paranoic um element the mm-hmm. kind of in a psychoanalytic sense like the sort of fetish like you know the the big other, you mm. know. Um, but I also think that the, you know, Jameson's whole idea of the conspiracy theory is basically an impoverished attempt to think the totality of capitalist relations. Mm. You can't really think totality. Um, you know, the so- social relations are, are, are such, especially now in, in a sort of hyper fragmented, hyper um, sort of like uh, whatever stage capitalism we're at now i don't know anymore um but you know so these stories these narratives are a way of explaining um sort of the phenomena that we you know mm-hmm. and also of course it's a kind of um resentment filled justification like i'm yeah. i'm not 
this lowly I don't deserve this. Like those people in power, why are they in power? Well, they're in power they you know, because me. they're fucking psychotic, blood drinking weirdos, not because like, you know, they own everything and mm-hmm. make my life miserable. Yeah, I want to come back to this, both the sort of re- indignation, rabble mentality and the failed explanation aspect. But first, let's get some more of them on the table. Like, what are we talking about? Because, I mean, you, you named a few of them, but... Um, Right. So, I mean, Thaddeus also was saying something interesting before the program began. Do you want to talk about oh. Um, There's a conspiracy theory that the uh, Middle Ages don't exist, mm. um, that the year, the century, the sixth century through the ninth century don't didn't happen because um, Charlemagne and some of his buddies wanted to create a positive narrative for themselves. And the evidence that they have of this are two things. Um, which seem to be like <laughs> seem to be um usually what happens in conspiracy theories is that there's a physical element and the physical element in this is that why why was there Roman architecture in you know uh the ninth century or the sixth century through the ninth century when the Roman Empire fell in you know four twenty five why is that you know and it's you know it's it's not like the Roman Empire just disappeared like a nuclear bomb destroy the new the Roman Empire and they were gone with all their technology. But that's not accounted for it. What's important is that there are Roman structures. Why are they there in the Middle Ages? They shouldn't be there. Um, and then kind of the more scientific aspect, which is always interjected in conspiracy theories, is the idea that they were using the mathematics around the revolution of the Earth. So the Earth goes around the sun in 365.24 days. There's other numbers after the two four, but that's not important. And what we what we calculated as is three sixty five point two five, which means that's why we have a leap year every four years to account for that point two five. But then, how do we account for the point one difference or the point zero one difference between the point two five and the point two four? How that revolution happens is that about a hundred every one hundred and twenty eight years, you have to add another day to the calendar. But that wasn't happening in between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar. So in about five, uh, 1500 A.D. or the uh, 14th century um, or, yeah, uh, some, uh, you know, some monk uh, calculated the numbers and he came up with um, there was 10 days that they needed to add to the calendar. But accounting from the creation of the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, you were supposed to have 13 days. Which means that there were 347 or 300, what would it be? Whatever, 300 plus years that were missing um, because you have three days in between that 10 and that 13 that should be accounted for by 128 times three, whatever the hell that is. And so those 300 years are the Middle Ages. So they weren't real. And that. What is also funny with that is that conspiracy theories are usually very uh, ethnocentric, too, because it doesn't account for the calendars in China and in India, which align with the Gregorian calendars and the Julian calendars, the the, the difference. And it doesn't actually account for astronomical um, evidence or astrological yeah, evidence. So that's astrological evidence. Thing. So... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, this not that's not on the conspiracy side that you can actually see the movement of the stars and the moon right. to account for these changes, but they don't account for that. So 
if you have something like there's supposed to be an eclipse at this certain date and time, if they're correct, then that eclipse doesn't occur at the time that we know it occurred. So there are things like that that they don't it, account for. It's so fascinating. This reminds me of, of um, stay with me here, but like, you know, for a while I had uh, really bad hypochondria, right? And so the thing about the human body is that like it's riddled with sort of contingent occurrences. Mm-hmm. Like your body just hurts sometimes. Sometimes there's pain. Sometimes you just hurt. But like, um, you know, when you're sort of in the throngs of like this anxiety, like contingency is not possible. Mm-hmm. Everything must have a meaning. Principle there's a reason, reason that my body hurts and that is because X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. And, there's something similar like that happens with, you know, I think the conspiracy theory, you know, history is filled with just contingent random events. Shit just happens. Mm-hmm. Why was there Roman architecture? Who the fuck knows? Maybe some guy, they just liked it. Mm-hmm. Like there doesn't have to, but like that, that, mm-hmm. that, that element of contingency is just like not, it doesn't, it, it, you know, it doesn't fit within a structure of, of meaning. It's not meaningful in a, in a sort of, in a deeper sense. Well, that, it depends. I mean, if you're going to get, uh, I mean, it depends on your sort of world picture, I guess, doesn't it? Because, I mean, Leibniz says everything has a, has a sufficient reason. Everything that happens, there's so a, there's we a reason. So we need to get more people to read Leibniz. Which get- explains why it is as it is or isn't as it isn't and uh, not otherwise. And um, but, it, but you know what I mean? It seems to me that a lot of these conspiracy theories. So you're con- saying the world is just sort of this contingent. Uh, well, I'm not saying that there's no patterns, that there's no sort of whatever. But what to me, I, I think what happens is I think. I, I've noticed that a number of conspiracy conspiracy theories emerge from otherwise contingent mm-hmm. sort of events or mm-hmm. contingent facts, and there's a need to make make them meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like like this can't just be random. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't just be random that pizza appears so many times in John Podesta's. Well, actually, it probably is because people a lot of people just fucking like pizza. They eat Especially pizza. Especially working in an office, you're in an you office, you're on a campaign, pizza. you eat pizza because it's fast, it's easy, mm-hmm. you can have it delivered, and it feeds a bunch of people. It's cheap, mm-hmm. and so, but like those kinds of explanations, you know, and of course they'll say, ah, ha ha ha, that's what they want you to think or something. <laughs> but the reality is that like life is just like that. Life is fucking boring. Most of life is boring. They're just trying to escape the trivia, the triviality. Isn't the point that there is a reasoning behind it? So what I'm getting here is that conspiracy theory seems to be based off of flawed reasoning not that they're because here's what i always say when i used to argue with people about certain things what people would say like this x person is is crazy or they're illogical is even better and i'll yeah. say no they're perfectly logical there's a logic behind it there's a reasoning to it it's just flawed logic it's based off of flawed premises so when you're seeing that uh pizza gate has a lot of they say pizza a lot um, Adam's answer was um, people eat pizza in the office a lot because it's quick, it's easy, so you're going to see pizza referenced a lot. But what they, that's your reasoning. That's the answer you come to based off of your reasoning. But they come up with this whole separate reasoning to say that no, pizza is in there because it's secret code for this cabal mm-hmm. of pedophiles. And that's why pizza that's is in there. So that's where we go off the rails. So it's right. just the question of where that reasoning comes from. Well, so this is sort of where I guess I'm trying to resolve lots of questions when I look at conspiracies. Um, And one of them is how do people come to believe these just uh, clearly fraudulent things? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because I think that um, 
you know, key conspiracy texts or whatever, something like the protocols of Zion, um, were just so obviously, um, uh, you know, uh, products of forgery, you know, in the case of the protocols of the elders of Zion, um, it's even sort of been proved that parts of the text are just parody. Like it, it was supposed to be some, they were making fun of the idea, you know, of this sort of Zionist conspiracy, um, and this is something that, um, did not hinder belief in the authenticity of that document. Like there was, there's this dissonance between something being so patently, you know, constructed or absurd and people's, uh, willingness to, um, not only like suspend a disbelief, but to really invest a lot of, uh, authenticity in that thing that is so obviously inauthentic, mm -hmm. right? Like, so, I mean, that what is, is a right i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to work this out because uh like when it comes to pizza gay right like we were talking about there's this sort of method there that that is easily kind of you can reconstruct it somebody is just looking at these emails and is talking to other people and they're saying like there's something weird about the number of times pizza is referenced here and 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 yeah i mean it could be that it, it's just because it's the office situation and pizza's cheaper but that can't be it, right? Like, and, and so there's this sort of re removal of like, like content or other context from the, uh, the, the pattern seeking that allows you to, um, come to your, to fill in the content yourself, if that makes any sense. And then, I mean, at the, at a certain point, I don't even know whether it's a question of suspending your belief or rather just sort of, really creating an alternative uh reality you know and I, that's mm -hmm. a little bit it's a little bit of a boring answer in a way to what what is a conspiracy theory because like adam was saying i think the the jameson thesis is very interesting about you know a paranoiac's worldview and how wanting to become the center i can't remember exactly um all it's been a while since i've read um freud on like psychosis but the wolfman mm -hmm. That that is a case, right, where like where he was trying to describe what happens when somebody really loses touch with reality. Schraber. And so he <laughs> yeah. Schraber. yeah. Judge Schraber, holy right. shit. So yeah, that exactly. Guy. He thought birds were like talking to him, you know? I mean he was convinced. Well he was sitting at the piano. <laughs> he was sitting at the piano about to strike a chord, petrified, because he knew, you know, he knew that if he moved, God would destroy the world. And yes. the only way he could prevent God from destroying the world was to appease, to like please him. And what God liked to do was to shoot sunbeams up his asshole. Yeah. And so he so he had to just sort of sit there perched and take it and not move for hours. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I mean, but you know, so like Freud is like talking about hysteria for most of like his career treating, you know, patients who were on the whole, I mean, I'm sorry to put it this way, but you know, like bourgeois women in Vienna. <laughs> the pathologies and, yeah. of yeah. domestic life. Yeah. Yes. Well, the pathologies of the upper class, really. That's right. yeah. Pathologies of the upper class of, you know, of, of domesticity, um, you know, uh, that were obviously sort of, I don't like the word but let's call it gendered and, and whatever like um and also well, you know wolfman and ratman were both uh obsessive uh hysteric men and so you know it cuts both ways right well, well so but didn't he go further then so okay this so i don't want to get into it because so okay all i'm trying to say is that like what happens when you lose touch with reality and i mean mm -hmm. i think freud you know that develops this idea of like disavowal 
and like and and psychosis and mm-hmm. and and really okay the, i guess what i'm trying to say is really in order to have in order for these things to happen you have to develop like a fully complete other mm-hmm. narrative like god mm-hmm. is sh- shooting beams up your asshole like you yeah. have to believe that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's a story that you cling to in the same way that you believe that pizzagate is about pedophilia Mm. Like, not about the, eating pizza. That's the weird dialectic of skepticism I was kind of uh, sensing earlier, where you go from doubting the semblance, the appearances, and the seeming uh, nature of the world. You say, "No, I don't believe that. I believe in it." And you then you end up believing in a deeper thing, which actually has no outward signal. I mean, in the case of Schreber, it got really wild because the guy he was institutionalized. He was a judge. He was a well, big figure. He had a he, gender identity issue, right? Yeah. He, he also thought he was a woman because, yeah. um, what was it? Um, he, one of his fantasies before he was falling asleep or something. The, the thought of being penetrated missionary position, um, in missionary position occurred to him, quote, that it must be rather nice or something like this. And this was part of his, um, you know, when he was, declining into the situation where he had to be institutionalized a couple times actually but you know it's really complicated because there's this people suspect that um his his therapist i think well yes the father was overbearing authoritarian medical guy but also that i think his therapist might have slept with his wife at any rate um he developed a whole cosmology he developed a whole theological he wrote a book yeah Mm -hmm. And it's like everything you would believe if you were him, because you have to concoct a sort of framework to stabilize the crumbling world. Would you guys accept that that is sort of like a foundation? So like, what would it have taken for that to be a conspiracy? Basically, others would have had to like also believe like Schreber's cosmology, right? It seems that, yeah, in order for that to be a conspiracy theory, it would have to be... Transmitted. Right. I mean, it, it was a theory in the sense that it was an attempt at making sense of something, like an explanation. Yeah. But I mean, is, is a conspiracy theory a collective psychosis? I kind like of think so. psychosis? I think mm. that's what I'm trying to get at, right? Like, so, like, in a way, maybe Schreber was, like, his sort of pathologies were so particular to himself and, like, his, yeah. whatever he suffered, you know, in his in his life and through his, you know, disciplinary childhood. And, and I mean, okay, some of these things are very relatable. Like, you're talking about a uh, kind of authoritarian upbringing in the 19th century German context. Like, a lot of people could relate to that. But, but in a way, maybe the story or the cosmology was too specific. And so, like... I think that um, like the bearer bones, these stories mm-hmm. are the easier it is to sort of add on. And like, that is the truth about the protocols of Zion as well mm-hmm. is that, you know, that nobody really knows where that text came from. It comes from, mm-hmm. I mean, most people believe it came from France, right? But it was mm-hmm. first published right. in Russia by this guy named Khrushchevan in like 1906, I believe. And it was pro- published in, in Russia because they wanted to, um, it was three years after the Kishinev pro- pogroms and Khrushchevan was this ultra nationalist and monarchist and there was an, an Arabic anti-Semite. And so he was instrumentalizing the story for his own political, you know, use, but, and then like moves on and, and we're, we're talking like to Henry Ford, right. In the United mm-hmm. States where it also develops its own kind of character, like the thing snowballs is, mm-hmm. and through snowballing like that, that is something else that I'm interested in. I feel like the conspiracy, 
the conspiracy has to be a collective psychosis that you can add on to. And it has to be able to kind of transmit, you know, like almost Mm -hmm. we're in a pandemic now, but like a virus, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like that, that is one thing that is very, very important about the conspiracy. And, And that sort of proves like, why, I mean, even as, as absurd as a lot of these stories are, we can talk about other examples. Um, as long as they're able to transmit, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 that authenticity isn't going to suffer. Like, it just has to be something that other people can add to, almost. We've and, said a lot of things that we should go into, but I want to sort of pause a second, because maybe maybe it's not clear to everybody what the hubbub around the so-called protocols of the elders design is we should say what it is i mean oh sorry and, yeah and, and i want to contrast it i want to contrast it with another case and just with a theory just sure. so before we go any farther like what I mean, is that the protocols of the elders of zion is like the foundational anti-semitic text of the 20th century and so it's a it's the i think it was 26 sections that um outlined a zionist conspiracy to rule the world and it sort of you know originates at the time of haute finance in europe you know like the mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the development of a kind of, um, uh, a financial capitalist class that was very much associated with Jewry that, you know, I mean, I mean, these, the, 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 the association of Jewry to finance isn't old because of usury and things in Europe mm-hmm. and, and, and Christians just the weren't way, permitted to do it. And Christians yeah. weren't permitted mm-hmm. to charge interest. And so you have this, um, th- those things have been wedded in the like consciousness for a while, but the protocols then became sort of like proof that this was actually happening. And, and they were very, um, you know, but wasn't I, it an ironic literary text first and then part, someone discovered it. Okay. In part. So in part, like, so part of it is just forged. Part of it, like I said, it was just like parody. Um, like literature, literature, right? Right. I mean, it was right. Exactly. Like it was funny. It was supposed to be funny, right? Like mocking the idea of this mm-hmm. thing that, 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 they were proclaiming like that that was later proclaimed but yeah i mean it was kind of um it's just uh like i said it's unclear as to the origins i think somewhere in france is sort of what the consensus is and then i mean it really sort of takes off in in russia because of the um anti-semitic sentiment there at the at the beginning of the 20th century and then i think it journeys through like constantinople and like i said you know it, i mean it moves throughout the continents and it comes to like henry ford and um, yeah, it's, uh, oh, and in, and in Germany, like it, it's, it becomes, uh, it, it has, it, it plays yeah. an, an important role in the Holocaust. So that's the context of that work. So Henry Ford was a paranoid anti-Semite? Yeah, definitely. Very anti-Semitic for sure. And was he paranoid? I mean, probably just, I don't know. He had that panopticon sure. view of the factory. That's for sure with the belt assembly line production. But okay, so let's contrast that. So, okay, so you get these people. It sounds to me like you got a bunch of people who basically want to believe something and then they find something and they're like, oh, 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 this is perfect, right? So the will, I mean, I'm thinking like X-Files over the- I want to believe, yeah. I want to believe right. the poster over the desk, right? Like, I want to believe, you know, it could be this, it could be that. Um, oh, this'll do. This'll do nicely. It's like when you're at a flea market and you don't know quite what you're looking for, but you're like, that's just what I was looking for. This but- will do nicely over the table in the kitchen. And so there's a will to believe and it sort of projects whatever it needs and it just uses that thing as a sort of prop in order to project it. But contrast that to like JFK. Right, and then and contrast that to like laws of gravity, because like in the case of JFK, let's say you got some some. I mean, okay, let's say he's a disgruntled communist who was a soldier with a deer rifle. He's a good man in a window. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how like 
how do you say like firearm? Uh, is there such thing as firearm literacy? I mean, he wasn't like an an exceptional marksman, from what I understand. But, but he wasn't terrible. Is, anybody who's shot one of those bolt action rifles knows how difficult it is to fire them quickly. Sure, here you here, you can tell. I'm sorry. There's a spectrum. Um, Look, it's ob- George Bush. I mean, that's an obvious. Well, George Bush is in the pictures. Right. Well, all I'm saying. All I'm saying is. If you, That's one I believe. If Sorry. You, <laughs> so, uh, the Thanksgiving conversation is very interesting. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying is in that case, a person can weigh some, weigh some technical facts against... So this guy is a lone Boy Scout, kind of a goofball, and somehow he takes down the... He does this all by himself with a weapon that makes it very difficult from distance, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it just seems hard to believe... That's where the dam sort of cracks. In that case, it's very plausible, it seems still, because it's about, like, it's within the universe of credibility. Namely, was there another shooter? That could be all that it was. Now, it could also be much bigger, too, but it could be the whole CIA and so forth. But um, in the third case, I mean, let's just say I get sick of hearing Trotsky meow the whole time, (laughs) and I throw him out the window, right? Gravity... Like people thought he falls because he's heavy, but that's just two two descriptions of the same thing, right? You need laws of gravity, and uh, you don't see gravity, right? You need to understand the movements of the celestial bodies and the relations of their masses and distance to one another and so forth. That's not manifest to the senses, and that's science, right? That's that that's a that's a real explanation. And so I feel like there's a continuum running from good scientific explanation, which breaks with the appearances and goes to the essence or whatever. And and then there's the sort of JFK case, and then there's this shit where it just totally goes off the rails. Yeah. I mean, so you guys know about chemtrails, right? Mm-hmm. I've only heard the word. I think, Thaddeus, you were saying that you like had to also yeah. looked into chemtrails. I mean, the chemtrail thing comes out in the 90s, and... Um, it's it's a thing and uh, becomes a thing in the United States. It's hugely, uh, by the way, influential in Western Europe, um, especially in German speaking countries. Like there are a lot of Germans and Austrians and Swiss who believe in chemtrails, but these are just the condensation trails that um, airplanes leave behind them. And I mean, people started to like. I think something was published that that suggested that like condensation trails should evaporate sooner. And like, why are these trails up in the sky for so long? And so then the idea like came out that, you know, the federal government was like trying to poison, you know, uh, citizens with these Mm -hmm. trails or, or use it for mind control or whatever. Sterilize them or something. Probably. I read a statistic (laughs) that, uh, that, um, in, in the West, um, males in the West, the fertility is decreasing or or something like sperm yeah. count or something like this. I imagine this could be quite easily taken up into the web of beliefs. Right. Of- you could read something about that, about a drop in fertility and just say like, oh, well, that's obviously chemtrails, you know? And I mean, I, I have an interest in history. And so I've, I've kind of look at, I kind of look at the chemtrail thing. And I mean, in a way I, I try not to historicize it too much, but like, you know, when you think of like agent orange and, and what basically the United States was doing in Vietnam and what was being, you know, publicly revealed. And, and also, I mean, I mean, I, I kind of look at these events as, you know, related, like something actually happened that was really, you know, revolting and disgusting, and that has had a long term effect on a population of people like the Vietnamese. And so like, 
somebody in the United States is looking at the chemtrails mm-hmm. and thinking like, well, this, and this maybe goes back to what we were saying earlier with the, the Jameson thesis. Like I'm unimportant. I'm just an American citizen living in like the heart of empire and I have it pretty good, but like, like in a way identifying with the victims of that empire in Vietnam. Well, when I mean, you live in the rust belt and flyover country and you know that your government has done that to human beings, it's not that hard to believe. Right. Right. And, and what's interesting, if I can throw in another conspiracy theory that might be more familiar to a lot of people is um, alien abduction. And it's kind of it kind of contrasts with the idea of um, most conspiracy theories we think of now, like the JFK and the chemtrails may have a genesis in being like anti-government, as in conspiracy theories require an authority to be inflicting the Mm -hmm. um, uh, whatever the, you know, whatever they want on to you. Um, And with the alien abduction one, it's a little bit different because the authority is extra governmental and Mm. it came about during a time mostly when people were very pro-government so what you see is during world war ii there are a lot of new um you know uh, aviation technologies being created so a lot of new aircraft and people seeing these experimental aircraft probably recognize them as what 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 the fuck are these things so and you have it combined with um a physiological phenomenon that I went through as a kid, which is sleep paralysis. So mm. when you're sleeping with sleep paralysis, you will wake up in a half dream, um, half, you know, awake state, and you won't be able to move because your body doesn't move when you're asleep. So you're half awake. So you can see people moving. You can see strange. You can still see parts of your dreams. And you can't move, though. So a lot of people thought that this was probably alien abduction. And what seems to be like, the difference in the authorities is that during a pro-government period, the authority that was created that was causing the, the pain is something outside of the government like aliens. Um, and then during a time where there's a very anti-government sentiment after Vietnam, chemtrails comes from a place where it's the government that's causing it, that's trying to, you know, have population control. Which is very interesting, um, you know, um, kind of with JFK, which arises during the Red Scare, which, um, you know, is like you have a time where, you know, um, like McCarthy, the Red Scare becomes apparent that, you know, there are communists there are enemies and we've been afraid of these people. But then we discover that there are parts of the government that have been using this to gain power or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this guy shoots JFK. He shoots, laser, t- he shoots sunbeams up Schraber's asshole. <laughs> shoots sunbeams up Schraber's asshole, which causes him to shoot JFK, however, with a magic bullet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It. The same bullets from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They they talk <laughs> and they turn around corners. It's that's how JFK that's got his head blown up. It's, it's very it's very simple once you see Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a documentary on um, the JFK assassination. If you can read into it, um, for great film. Great <laughs> film. The cartoons are uh, good. yeah, but it's just interesting how. Um, the authority that's in a conspiracy theory arises from different places because like ancient conspiracy theories are always come from the place of God. When you talk about like mm-hmm. um, uh, end times prophecy, which I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm going all over the place at this point. But mm-hmm. kind of the point it, is the, the is, authority it, it, aspect of uh, mm-hmm. conspiracy. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, to 
you got me thinking about X-Files. I love X-Files. Oh, yeah, um, I can hear the theme song play upstairs while I'm down here reading. That's right. You know, at a certain point in the X-Files, though, you know, they kind of do the um, sort of um, synthesis of the government alien thing where at a certain point Mulder comes to believe quite sincerely that the government basically allows and encourages the alien cons- abduction conspiracy thing because it provides mm-hmm. the necessary cover for the, the, the truly what, what, you know, what the government is actually doing, mm-hmm. which is basically running these wide scale tests mm-hmm. on people on people. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing that occurred to me, like people believing this extravagant QAnon stuff. Like I heard someone say that people all believe that, Trump's already dead and the whole protest was a psyop, you know, and this, like the, the, the levels are so deep. Like, mm-hmm. like it seems like a person who believes in this stuff would have to believe that they don't actually exist. They're actually a butterfly in a jar having a dream about another universe. Like, you know, they're actually in the CIA. They're not who they think they are. Um, it's just, it's just, it dawned on me that if I mean, it seems to me if you, let's say, we're going to use that word healthy skeptic. If you're a healthy skeptic, wouldn't you suppose QAnon is just some some smokescreen, some obscuring bullshit that is released by the, by the government? If you really wanted to be realistic about your anti-establishment theories, I mean, why would you suppose that they're telling you truth about the government? It's like, you know, I mean... It just seems what like about, the obvious. What about like Facebook, not- for instance? You know, people go on there and they talk about all kinds of things they believe. The first I remember when Facebook first came out, I thought, oh, this is probably the CIA. They can do this just to observe you. Like you go on there and you're like, oh, this, that, the other thing. I mean, it seems like the obvious inference, if you're a person who's skeptically inclined, would be to say, oh, well, QAnon is a is a CIA operation or something like. But they don't think that. So, um, what if what if we like. Um- look at another philosophical um, tradition, like outside of skepticism. Um, I, I was just occurred to me while you were, while you were talking, Daniel, that um, this also uh, comes up in an Adam Curtis documentary. Uh, Alan Greenspan was apparently mm-hmm. part of Ayn Rand's circle and like mm-hmm. believed in objectivism. But mm-hmm. before he came to objectivism, he was like a Wittgensteinian, like a logical positivist. Oh, and he, even worse. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was like very, very scared of like the possibility that he didn't exist. Like this was something that really shook him to the core. And like, and I wonder whether like a foundation for a kind of like, except like, like you move from that, right? Like that kind of profound like not just skepticism, but like um, insecurity about your own Mm -hmm. being uh, Mm -hmm. based on like an absence of proof, you know, in the Mm -hmm. mind of Alan Greenspan to like accepting uh, anti-altruist philosophy that, you know, like says, well, you know, the only truth is that you, you are, you are the value that you create as a human being. And like, and those are, and only people with value mean anything and they are deserving of your love or whatever. You are the value of the profit you procure. Yes. Um, Hmm. Like all the heinous shit that Ayn Rand, (laughs) Ayn Rand believed and wrote about. And, by the way, do people still read that stuff in high school? Like that is a way God to knows. no, um, no, they don't do the the that like Fountainhead essay anymore. Like 
when I, I was didn't. in high school. Oh, I don't know. So when I was in high school, like I had a, a good friend who was a really talented writer who um, I can't remember whether she was invited, but like the, the idea was that like talented writers in high school would be nudged into the Fountainhead essay competition by English teachers um, where they would this read the Fountainhead familiar. and write an essay and submit it to a national competition. And then like, um, you know, if they won, there was a money prize involved. And so this is one way to hook like young kids into reading Ayn Rand. That's like my conspiracy theory, right? Mm. No, I mean, it's like actually true. Like this is, <laughs> there's this, or at least it was when I was in high school. Uh, I graduated in 2005, like this, um, uh, 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 yeah, um, Ayn Rand conspiracy in high schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, well, I okay. mean, yeah. Yeah, that's all I was going to say is like, like, I think that like, for I mean, the Greenspan case is interesting in the sense that it provides you a template for the kind of human being that you have to be before you start going down these <laughs> like really like very, very alter- alternating paths like into reality. And in a way, OK, my other observation is there was a CNN. I think it was a CNN report about a woman who was really deep into QAnon living in like North Carolina or something. And I mean, when you, she's like a mom, I don't know. She's in her thirties. I don't know. She lost her job apparently during the pandemic, um, early in the pandemic. Um, and she, um, like was a Republican because her her parents were Republicans. So lifelong Republican and like got really into QAnon and then right. Like gave this CNN CNN interview where she just like was done with QAnon. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking how many people like, is this, are, is this actually happening? Was it all so banal? Like that, like a good number of people like who believed that um, Donald Trump was going to be uh, inaugurated and uh, there were going to be a spate of executions on live television, like just after Joe Biden was inaugurated, we're like, oh, that didn't happen. So I don't believe it. I mean, like, that, that's well, this is wild. the question, like, this is the question <laughs> with the, when the people are in the depths of in the grip of it, like how what would it take to break out of it? Because when you talk to a person that's into it, it's such a like you said before, patterns instead of a truth that it refers to it's a pattern so it's a coherence kind of thing where you have a web of beliefs and it's like if you say something about one point on the web to like no 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 no, this other point on the web and then you just have this whole huge web and of course you can't ever address everything at once the question is like what would it take to to break through that and um yeah i don't know i don't know because at some point it's gonna have to become evident that that stuff doesn't materialize and everything has a shelf life. And so, I mean, how is whoever's behind this going to keep tweaking it to keep people hanging on? I hope there's not a Patreon for that or something, these poor suckers. But I mean, it seems, it seems like, yeah, with the, with the, with the Ayn Rand example, you have an influential clique, basically people who hang out together and share ideas. And Alan Greenspan's in that clique getting her ideas. The question is, I mean, the question is, like, at what point does that become a mastermind influencing um, powerful people, or is it just is it just a group of friends in, in in affluent wealthy circles who talk? I mean, I think the conspiracy theorist would say, well, there's a mastermind behind the curtain pulling the strings, whereas I think a more realistically inclined person would say, okay, you know, things aren't exactly as they appear, but I mean, of course, the ruling class has a clique of intellectuals who they just they they talk theory while they 
take tea or whatever. And um, do you think they still do that? I feel like our like uh, uh, political class has become so managerialized that like they have just no like foundation and like like these are the kinds of kids that you teach in like prestigious schools who like don't know anything about Western history. Or, sure. Like, no, no, no. Go to an air, any airport. I guess hard to go to an airport now, maybe, but any of the books that are in the bookstores in the airport, I mean, that might be rubbish compared to like Keynes and Bertrand Russell, but um, you might find Bertrand Russell's history of philosophy in those bookstores. And I'm just saying like, yeah, I think it's, I mean, we shouldn't buy into the romantic thing. Like there used to be real intellectuals and now there are just managers at any given point. You've got a ruling class and it has its intellectuals and they have some ideas that they circulate. What was that book recently? Homo something homo. Uh, it's about, it's like anthropology thing. It was a bestseller. Um, Oh, I don't know. I I'll, I remember is uh, the big bestseller of the year last year was the um, what was that white guilt one? <laughs> For example, white fragility, right? Yeah. Fragility, right? <laughs> so I mean, there are ideas, and that person has a group of friends, and some, some editor decided that should be famous. I mean, the thing is, like, a w- conspiracy became this word, like, right. oh, it's false, right? It can't be. There are no conspiracies, but I mean, when um, you know the the people who began. So, I mean, uh, for instance, the birth of this country and breaking from Britain began with people who conspired to to do right. so, and and so mm-hmm. at some point, like, what's the you what know, is a conspiracy and what is a conspiracy? Right. I guess. Well, do we want to talk about other types of conspiracies? I was going to come yeah, out. Yeah, we with should like, also go. How does it become supernatural? I mean, right. that was one interesting thing that is. One of the supernatural yeah. conspiracy theories, because I was thinking when you started talking about the banality of it. So the first thing I was thinking about was um, the 9 11 uh, truther conspiracies. Ah, uh, yeah. And What's I that? I remember. Well, not, what do they well, say? That the Twin Towers, that the twin, to- the twin Towers were knocked down because of a United States government conspiracy to basically um, rile up the public in order to start a war to extract okay, so oil no from aliens, no pedophiles, no Satanists. No, no, no. But like the the thing that's interesting about it, where you get to the supernatural, is um like the documentary that brought me to the nine eleven truth or conspiracy was that documentary Zeitgeist, mm-hmm. and yeah, and that documentary it starts off by talking about like dollarization and finance and then goes mm-hmm. all the way back to talking about religion and how jesus christ is basically just horus um the sun god in egypt um that mm-hmm. they're the same prophecies mm-hmm. um uh, and what's kind of interesting about that is like there's a like I wonder how localized it is because we're talking about like Western conspiracies and it's interesting coming from like a real conspiracy to conspire against the English crown was the foundation of the United States. Mm -hmm. And also one of the foundations of the United States when you were talking about Alan Greenspan is like um, Puritanism and um, what what am I thinking of? Not I'm not thinking of Calvinism, but um. It, um, well, Protestant, the Protestant, Protestant, the, Protestant movement, not just whole, Protestant, not just the whole Protestant movement, but specifically the, the idea ethic. that your worth is shown. The like you are oh, shown yeah. to that's, be that's worthy is if you you um basically if you're a landowner and you have prosperity, then you are basically shown physically that you are favored by God, and that's You'll how you end can up prove in heaven with the predestination that, that you're yeah, you know. worthy of the kingdom of heaven. 
And some of those end times prophecies come out of, you know, this tradition and some of the ways that we relate uh, prophecy in America, especially comes out of those traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of the interesting ones when I was in college was um, uh, the Harold Camping end times prophecy that the world was going to end on May 21st, 2011, because I remember we threw a party on May 21st (laughs) because it was the end times. And then when the world didn't end we threw another party that we called the crisis averted party and (laughs) what was awesome is that he just reformulated his um prophecy to say that the world was going to end oh i was wrong the world's going to end on october 21st 2011 so we threw another party another two parties for you know the end times and then crisis averted um you know, That's 12, a good point because the, the, the QAnon, um, sorry, the QAnon, uh, uh, after like uh, Biden was inaugurated, they immediately were like, oh, it's going to happen on March 4th mm-hmm. because that was the day that presidents used to be inaugurated mm-hmm. on, like, you know, until I think Roosevelt or whatever, like, or I know Roosevelt was also inaugurated in March. So like they, that, that, that immediately happened. What you were just describing with the end times, they're like, okay, Trump will be president in March. <laughs> so yeah it's 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 like that and you know that's that's basic cult-like behavior that it the cult always reinforces itself mm-hmm. but i think conspiracies the banality of them is different than a cult because just like with the 9-11 like truth or stuff like i left that immediately once enough information was given to me to say oh this probably isn't true it's probably just you know, there may be some conspiracy theory or conspiracy to it. But um, of course, all of these forces are connected. The Bushes are connected to the bin Ladens because they have money interests. It's Mm -hmm. not they didn't use this to. It's not magic. That's the only connection. It's not a connection to the terrorist attack. Like that's unnecessary for that connection to exist. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, with like, I think the same thing might happen to QAnon um, because different the, there are there's very separate connections that people are making and some of them are probably going to split off and create new conspiracies and some of them are probably just going to drop the conspiracy at large and it seems like it's the popularity of the conspiracy that um you know perpetuates the conspiracy um and cuz and and I, it could endure because I think the most enduring conspiracy theory to me is like um, the rapture in the United States that, you know, Jesus Christ is going to come down and certain people are going to be sent to the kingdom of heaven and then the dead are going to rise. There's that whole thing. Well, and that opens the question, like, what is the relation between and the, funny the conspiracy thing about theory that and religion? Is yeah. that was supposed to be fulfilled in like the second century A.D.? When Revelations was written, because it was specifically a prophecy about um, Rome, that Rome was going to fall, that the Messiah was going to that the end times were going to come about to destroy the Roman Empire, because that's what the Messiah is supposed to do. They're supposed to bring about basically a military, um, you know, I guess response to an empire and then destroy them and the messiah is supposed to become the king on earth and bring about peace and prosperity well there is a realistic interpretation of all of that stuff i mean like don't covet your neighbor's wife that means you know don't sell her into slavery if you can't pay your debts covet is a contract and like you know jesus came to announce the good news that was that this would be a jubilee your debts would be canceled so i mean 
there's a good political, economic, realistic interpretation uh, of all that stuff. But the thing is, though, I think the people who really get into it, and this is going to get messy because it's like now we're, I don't want to talk about religion, but the will to believe takes a perfectly reasonable political operation like we're against Rome and the debtors. Um, we need a debt cancellation, a popular uprising. And it turns it into this mystical, spiritual thing where it's no longer uh, forgive us, Lord, our debts as we forgive those uh, who owe debts to who us. Forgive our debtors. Debtors. It becomes trespasses. It becomes evil. And then it has nothing to do with political economy anymore. Why? Why? Um, and, it, you know, I think you put your finger on something important about authority that is and and sort of an outsider needing someone to blame and if if times are good it could be a could be an alien that's the outsider i don't know but it just seems like there is a sort of resentful blame character which doesn't want to take up the the task of the real world struggle it wants to sort of sublimate this bitterness or resentment or whatever a person experiences in an imperfect world full of power and exploitation and it wants to make it into some sort of mystical magical journey and blah 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 i mean i mean something that thaddeus was saying that made me also um i mean it makes me also wonder to what extent a lot of the conspiracy theories we've discussed so far have been like u.s american origin and mm-hmm. i mean the united states um is um like it's actually kind of a, a peculiar country and a strange state, right? Like unique in many, many ways in history. And one of the ways in which, um, you know, it is sort of exceptional uh, is for a modern, you know, sort of a Republic nation state. Um, it, it has preserved a deeply religious sort of character um, that, you know, isn't, you know, illegally codified or whatever, but like plays an important role in the culture and the politics of the United States. And I think that a lot of this eschatological thinking, like this end times thinking has to come out of some form of religion, like whether, and I mean, it tends in the United States, it just happens to be the case that like Protestantism like became a dominant uh, cultural uh, key or whatever for understanding uh, uh, the world and, and an important, not only cultural signifier, but like an important source of American authority and power. So, I mean, I think that um, a lot of the conspiracies that that are circulating right now have to do with the kind of peculiar character of the United States, not just its religious uh, mm-hmm. character, but also its sort of like wariness of, you know, this, this anti-federalist sort of uh, 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 strain in U.S. thinking, but also just the fact that the United States exports all of its shit to the rest mm. of the world, right? So, like, yeah. this how stuff did, is How did consumed. QAnon end up in Germany, for instance? Yeah. QAnon is a huge thing in Germany. And I was talking earlier, I saw, um, so in Vienna for uh, a long time now, I want to say, like, close to a month, every weekend, uh, there seemed to be new protests. Um, and, you know, every week there's a new sort of trigger for these protests. This week there was a, a debacle with a, a Secretary of Treasury or the Finance Minister who... Uh, whose house was raided by um, the like authorities uh, uh, because of um, uh, campaign uh, contribution scandals. So basically mm-hmm. like this, you know, in the United States, a lot of this stuff is just normal, but in Austria it still isn't. And so <laughs> uh, this campaign spending uh, uh, stuff is still regulated. And so, uh, yeah, people uh, took to the streets today and I saw like a QAnon shaman 
like on the streets. I mean, the guy who was dressed mm. in very similar clothing, uh, you know, with like beating a drum, uh, wearing like a fur. And it's clear that that image of this shaman, like from the Capitol storming, like exported to the rest of the world. And, and people are now just, it's just like Coca-Cola. It's, it's like, like neo, but it's like neo-primitive tribalistic kind of, I don't know. What, what is, is the cra- shaman? What, yeah, what, what, and what, what is, is the Claire Danker people in Germany? So what was Thaddeus saying about the shaman? Where does where does where does that where does that come from? What how does him being a sh- what are the characteristics of the shaman and there's how a lot do they of, connect with the the conspiracy? There's a lot of esotericism in a lot of conspiracy movements uh now, like a lot of kind of like quasi spiritual stuff and so like there are a lot of shamans out there who who um purport to be like message bringers, you know. Uh, uh. Oh, a like a lot, right? Like, like these are these these are these hippies, right? Like who Okay. Like, <laughs> but what but what kind, but what would it take? I mean, I've saw I've seen these protests in Europe in Germany. And it's yeah. like, oh, every yeah. weekend. Hippies, it's a big deal. Hippies mixed with fascists mixed right. with like new age goofballs. Right. And I just think, my God, what is the lowest common denominator that brings all these people together yeah. from the thing they're talking about? Right. This is something that um, I would highly recommend an article that was written by uh, Quinn Slobodian. And I can't remember this other guy's name for the life of me, but I've looked at his name a hundred times, but it was, I, and I can't remember it was published either, but it's basically um, about what they call diagonalism, which is Kriadenka and how QAnonism sort of, and diagonalism meet at the, at a certain point. And I mean, the thesis that they make is that like, so in Germany, especially you have this kind of anti-authoritarianism that comes after, um, um, like the end of the war and is really, you know, uh, it's a, it's a marker of the 68 generation. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a kind of leftist hippie anti-authoritarianism. Never and, trust a hippie. <laughs> these are like people who, um, might've been like Maoists or something. I don't know mm-hmm. in the seventies or like believed mm-hmm. in the third world like way. And I mean, uh, uh, but just in general, um, like had a, a kind of, uh, skepticism about like especially in germany uh, the german state which was you know um uh compromised by <laughs> by its uh, uh it could it can never be the a, a full sovereign state in the sense that it can't have like a standing you know can't have atomic weapons in its territory these are this this like makes a lot of the conspiracy in germany today so a lot of german conspiracy theorists don't believe that the german state is like a real legal state they believe they're a corporation mm-hmm. they go back to the you know uh the partition and then especially the united states and the military occupation and are searching for ways in which they can delegitimate like angela merkel um, especially because they hate her and think that she's like I've everything from like a communist to I don't know what. But um uh, Adolf Hitler's daughter. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Just one. crazy shit. But it's just ju- crazy shit. What 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 so I'll to be really brief, these guys, what they found about the Kviadenka that is interesting and what they sort of relate back to the QAnon stuff and the capital storming in general is that a lot of the people who have been going out to protest in Europe, you People, we look at them like in the media or the way the media talk about them is like, oh, these are like the lumpen. Like these are like this like proletariat, you know. Yeah, they're, the rabble, the down and out. The rabble, but they're not. Mm. They're like, they're like, well, like I want to say middle class to like upper middle class people who can take time out of their day to go like storm a capital or <laughs> go out on the streets and, you know, dress in fancy costume and, and mm. like protest. Like these are people who are not 
suffering uh, 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 um, under like austerity or whatever. They're just sort of, you know, they belong to a middle class. And so... Um, petty bourgeoisie, maybe. Yeah. And the logo of the Querdenker, this diagonalist movement in Germany, I mean, it comes from a guy who was working in like corporate media as a consultant and who had like found a way to make mm-hmm. sure that the organization was going to be able to avoid uh, paying taxes by like some kind of... Uh, so, I mean... The thesis is that like these people, like when you look at them, you have to see them in the context of like, you know, 68. And the question is, who is bringing these like, you know, because there are right wing elements in in Austria, in Vienna today, there was a neo-Nazi marching who was in jail for years for being a Nazi. His name is Gottfried Kussel. And he keeps on coming out to these protests and, and he's doing it with the intent of finding people to become you know, neo-Nazis. It's a recruiting of effort for him. Yeah. yeah. And so what is the, who is like bringing together, doing the networking of like bringing like 68ers and hippies with like right wingers. And it's these middlemen who are, um, you know, uh, corporate, like corporatized people. The word querdenken in German means like think outside the box. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like don't be, you know, stuffy. Don't be a square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same so thing. So it's really QAnon. interesting. Yeah, I yeah. wonder. Hold said, one second, because because um, like a recent article I read was saying that sixty percent of the people who stormed the Capitol all had financial problems, like uh, foreclosure or debt. Uh-huh. And we're talking not normal credit card debt. Like I'm in college and I have a credit card for like a thousand dollars. We're talking like um, you know, I I have to pay the IRS. Um, mm-hmm. they have a lien on me for like fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That type of debt or my 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 restaurant is closing in the mm-hmm. middle of a pandemic because or not even just because and most of them they found wasn't because of the pandemic, but like we're existing debts. Mm-hmm. And I have this 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 debt from the IRS, the government. And, um, right. you know, I'm people who have those types of debts are not, you know, the lumpen people. They're not regular working class people they're in but they're not the ruling class either right. i mean it's a peculiar kind of middle class resentment um i'm yeah. wondering if that is kind of shared with um like you know how this trend the 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 german form of QAnon, you know how that conspiracy because it's it's very different from the people like the 1984 people and the people who like use the elders uh the, the protocols of the elders of zion here like neo-nazis and um you know, um, like the KKK that still exists in the United States is still very lumpen, which is a different type of conspiracy against the government than it is, you know, um, than the QAnon conspiracy is. It's it's different. I recently, just to quickly interject, I recently read something, it's on the Verso website about KKK. They were actually very PMC. The leaders. In the beginning. Yes. In the beginning. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, very much so. Middle oh, yeah. class, affluent, waspy. Oh, yeah, the KKK. Yeah. They were like, they were yeah, the establishment. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. like I mean, church the church going nice people. <laughs> yeah, the, the current iteration of the yeah. KKK. Right, right, right. It's kind of been what was left. The, it's um, been the, lumpenized. The, yeah. I mean, not even been lumpenized. It's just that the people that they were able to recruit from mm-hmm. You know, the lumpen parts of American society were the people who were left because mm-hmm. the utility was um, lost for mm-hmm. the, um, you know, middle class and the powerful. The KKK movement, that power was diminished. So they left it to the people who um, basically had a cultural, social connection to it, which weren't them. 
It's a grievance party. I mean, this is one thing interesting you said, Tamara. Um, you said in the 70s, these people would have been Maoists. So it's just, it's like at any given point, like you got a group of people with grievances, God knows what. They're not terribly rational. They're just anti-establishment, nonconformist. And they'll they'll adopt whichever form is mm. the order of the day in order to articulate that content. Yeah. But it seems like it's just a bunch of grievances. It's, yeah. And so, then the fear, yeah. anxiety, and security motivates these these peculiar um, rationalizations. Okay, so uh, here's gonna where, where I'm gonna pitch in with like the thesis, and and then I, I mean that's really like uh, this is really where I'm trying. What's motivating my interest in these conspiracy theories is that I have an idea of this global project of like a conspiracy. Like my idea is that when a conspiracy circulates, it sort of snowballs, it develops, it becomes established belief, it gets like you know it attracts a, a flock or whatever of believers. But that it's important to understand like. Um, it's important in a way to historicize these different stories and to look specifically at like the consumers of conspiracies because there are important differences. So like in the case of Germany and the United States, there's a lot of overlap between diagonalism and, um, and uh, QAnon type uh, uh, conspiracy because the United States and Germany are very similar in structure, like especially mm -hmm. in post-war period, right? Like where the United States has gone in and basically developed um, you know, a capitalist uh, ent entrepreneurial exporting state like Germany versus like uh, uh, countries that have been um, bombed by the United States mm -hmm. and uh, countries that have been uh, destroyed like by that project where the conspiracies are circulating there as well. But the people who believe in them are maybe not like middle class. They're people who have like completely lost their trust in um, in. Yeah, like. Uh, and I'm talking specifically now about Yugoslavia, mm -hmm. um, where there's a lot of um, conspiracy thinking. And a lot of it comes from just basically a kind of um, cynicism that is almost nihilistic. Like you have lost the foundation of a social foundation. Like mm -hmm. the schools have changed. Um, politicians are corrupt. Uh, banks, you know, there, there was a, a experience of inflation, like in the 90s in Yugoslavia. Like you have lost mm -hmm. the, the belief also in like a financial like stability. And mm -hmm. so the conspiracy, like, like it, it has a different um, power in these countries. And, and I specifically think that there is something interesting to be said about the Balkans because that's where a lot of this fake news stuff came from, right? Like in 2016. Really? Yeah, right. Remember really? Macedonia? <laughs> oh, okay. Like okay. Could you give a quick crash refresher, a crash course, refresher course on the 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 history that would do that? Like right. everything you just I'll be, said. I mean, I'll, I'll try to be brief. Just basically is that um, like a lot of the, I mean, you guys, like the whole Russia Gate thing, right? Like the idea mm -hmm. that, um, foreigners were uh, writing uh, news headlines for uh, Steve Bannon or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it is partly true in the sense that there are a lot of um, basically itinerant low wage workers in Macedonia who were making money in this town, especially called Velas, writing uh, headlines for like Breitbart. And basically, what would like on interviews with these people, what they said is that like their manager who was getting like cash, right? Like from I don't know, somebody on Facebook, uh, $2,000, you know, for the day to pump out these stories would just like send headlines to them, newspaper stories, and just be like, rewrite with these things in mind. Like, look at, you know, and a lot of the stuff that they were writing was anti-Muslim. 
Like that was mm-hmm. probably the majority of the, the kind of things that they were writing. And uh, the people who were doing it said uh, they, uh, at least one of them said that she didn't believe in any of this stuff. She's considers herself a liberal. <laughs> she doesn't consider, you it's know, just she, a job. it's just a job, you know, but that is like, um, to me, something that like, that's capitalism. Um, right. So that's, that's where I wanted to end up. Like, because I think when we talk about conspiracies, there's this sort of like, especially on the left um, and a lot, and especially in the wake of the Capitol storming, like there are a lot of people who are pointing out the QAnon people and saying like, they have, you know, a financial basis or they have a kind of economic, they're, they, these, these are people who um, are losing faith in the American middle class, you know, and they're, they're mm-hmm. like late to do that, by the way, they're on that train. Mm-hmm. Like, like Thaddeus was saying, <laughs> these are people who can afford to be $50,000 in debt to the IRS means that they had capital at some point. Um, so they're, uh, losing faith in that project and, 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 and American form mm-hmm. of capitalism. Um, so they now believe in these theories and we should sort of like empathize with them and, and understand. And I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, I think we should empathize with everybody. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that like, are the first thing to do is to just like, unless like the, you have the guy who wore his camp Auschwitz shirt and mm-hmm. the guy wearing the Confederate <laughs> flag, like these are different cases, but you know, like, just like. I, if somebody I know, and I know somebody who is a conspiracy theory type person, um, is talking to me about conspiracy theories, I don't, I'm not, my, my initial response is not going to be to just be like, you're stupid. You know, mm-hmm. like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. That makes mm-hmm. no sense. I'm going to listen and try to understand what, why, <laughs> right. why this person believes this, because I want to bring them away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this debate on the left. That's very moralistic. That goes back to the PMC thing that you're talking about. Like, how do we view these like odd weirdos who are believe these things? And, and I mm-hmm. think that like, if you take, if you just make that a moral project and you, and you take it away from the context of like, global capitalism as it exists and the kinds of exploitation that is done onto people, then you are really not having a debate at all. You're just kind of, yeah, you're just kind of having a conversation about how you relate to the world and to other people. And that's you're not having very- a narcissistic sanctimonious monologue is what you're having. And I, I think <laughs> right. that's right. And before even empathy, it's like important to understand what's going on. Right. You know, what is happening? I think it's very easy like we we do this it, what what comes down like when people have arguments and they try to um i guess um talk about the psychology of other people when they get involved in armchair uh psychology um what comes to my mind is like um my my mom is really religious and I'm not um I'm probably the only one in my family that calls myself an atheist and everyone tells me that I'm not really an atheist you're a spiritual person still you're not an atheist <laughs> and I keep on trying to tell them like 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 sure I like what Jesus says like the golden rule be good to each other I'm as far as I'm an atheist I'm more of a a wild stallionist because I believe in being <laughs> excellent to each other and partying on um, but if that what's if that makes me Christian, then everybody should be uh, everyone would be a Christian. But the way what I mean is like we relate to people all the time the same way I relate to my mom. Like this has a utility in our life, and you know you can look at the QAnon people. There's something financial that might serve as the utilitary basis to why they're coming to these conspiracies. Just like religion has utility in people's life and filling a, a community, a communal void that people have. 
Um, so when you start to try to understand people ar- around why is this useful to them, then you can start answering the questions of is there an economic usefulness that they're that's generating these conspiracy theories or is there like the QAnon shaman? Is there a spiritual utility in why they're coming to these conspiracy theories? And then it stops being about why am I in opposition to these people or how do I understand these people? It becomes very easy to start, um, I guess, having empathy, you know, more than understanding. And then, you know, basically then having a conversation because that's more important than the insular value of how do I understand someone? Mm -hmm. It's how do I understand the situation? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like so you're saying that there's a socioeconomic class basis to the suffering. The yeah. suffering generates a certain kind of mentality or worldview. It could. And then and then the theory the theory sort of satisfies the psychological needs right. in that suffering. And it could be different. That's why you have different parties in these things cuz there's also a um you know, a social satisfaction that people use like the Camp Auschwitz guy is obviously probably um he doesn't believe that the Holocaust happened or some shit like mm-hmm. that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, neo-Confederates um, that come into conspiracy. It mm-hmm. serves a different purpose for them. And if you start, um, if you stop trying to have empathy for it as a whole and you mm-hmm. start stop trying to look at the utility for different types of people, then you do start lumping those people all together and you just look at the effects of it, which are generally negative and you start saying that's the character of it. All these people are bad. And if you're like, we discussed on another podcast that um, all riots are bad, you know, and riots are bad because they're violent. But why are people rioting is the question because the purpose of analyzing a riot or an uprising or conspiracy is to see how do we solve the conspiracy or how do we stop the riot from happening again? And then you have to ask the question of what is the utility of these things? And can we basically fill, you know, that utility? And if it's worthwhile fixing the problem, then you fix the problem. I can't fix someone who believes that the Holocaust, I can't fix the problem for someone who believes that the Holocaust didn't happen. I can't right. fix the problem of someone who believes that the, sh- the South shall rise again. Mm-hmm. But if someone has a socioeconomic problem that generates mm-hmm. their conspiracy theory, then mm-hmm. I can help or we together can take steps to um you know uh, uh, alleviate that conflict mm-hmm. and- well take the case of the holocaust denier like norman finkelstein wrote this essay with this extremely provocative title that everybody's of course yelled at him for without like reading the essay called like why we need holocaust deniers at universities or something like that and what he was trying to say was that if you do not have these uh de- if you do not have these people and if you do not um, apply rigorous um, a kind of historical and analytical thinking to the kinds of things that they say, if you do not interact with them, then you are just basically letting the problem f- fester. Mm-hmm. You're not actually sort of doing anything to that thought. You're just letting it sit there. You're exiling it to some other, you know, you know, let's say extra universitary space or whatever. But like there has to be room for a kind of rigorous uh, analytical 
um, debate. And if that doesn't happen, then you then you are you are just sort of ghettoizing these different areas of like mm-hmm. of discourse that that are extremely detrimental in the end because now you've mm-hmm. ghettoized like Holocaust denialism to this. And not of course and like, that's where it festers. Exactly, and of course like. Like, I'm, I want to add, like, he's, like, being provocative, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, you know, because he's himself been called a Holocaust denier, which is insane. But, like, you know, I mean, what he's trying to do is to just say that, like, we, we on the left especially are lacking these kinds of analytical, like, the, the desire to even debate these things because we just want to say, like, the man wore a Camp Auschwitz shirt, therefore he is an evil man, and we do not talk about him or discuss him. He's He must, you know, like, that's it. And like well, People yeah. are so satisfied with their views the complacency it's like well i don't need to because mm-hmm. i know that i'm in the right and that's like a mirror yeah. that's like a mirror with the other person but the flip side of that is where can i be the most effective because right. if i'm wasting my time on holocaust denial then while we still have the socioeconomic <laughs> implications what's more solvable you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where i would focus my energy that's that's the second that's the second stage of okay we've analyzed this situation we've found these different reasons why people are coming to the conspiracy now which ones are most worthwhile to um you know a uh, uh, counter in order to alleviate the problem and yeah i mean you're you're pointing at the following distinction i think you're saying there are material causes right. and it would be easier to solve the social problem that gives rise to the mentality that 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 needs a Holocaust denial to satisfy its emotional uh, needs, uh, um, it'd be easier to to solve that social problem than it would be to convince that guy that the Holocaust happened. Right. And so we have to. I mean, people who don't like that shouldn't just sit on their hands and contentedly say that that person's stupid, but they should solve the problem that gives rise to it. Um, other thought that occurs to me in that sort of vein is the way Marx talked about racism. Um, I think it's in the letter on Ireland. He's talking about the way that, mm. you know, racism is used to divide the working class. And um, one thing that occurs to me in this context is, you know, t- people who are um, working people, um, downtrodden, oppressed people, and they get divided up in all sorts of ways. And and, um, and um, conspiracy theories being um, disseminated can be a way to divide people up. And when one just says to the other, oh, you're just an idiot, I can't deal with you, you just need to be incarcerated and institutionalized, those are people who can't ever fight for their interests together. I mean, like, right, so I guess my my last question is, um, you know, for myself, really, and in this project that, I mean, I'm trying to write an article about this from the perspective of the Balkans, is like, how do we make things better, right? Like, so, I mean one one key thing is that you know maybe empathy isn't the right word but like a kind of open-mindedness or openness to like critical like like discourse or let's look I, I hate these words that i'm using right now <laughs> what i'm trying to say is like like we need like analytical rigor and then like we need the the people need to be ready to talk these things out and we're we're just not there like right now we're at a point where like like Trump is not president anymore. He was apparently just also acquitted. He's not going to be impeached. So yeah, I just got the I just got the breaking news update. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so he's not president anymore. Although I guess he could technically be in four years again. For the moment, like people are going to just say like, okay, that bad period is over, and like now this period, whatever it is going to be, is is dawning. And Obama like, three Right, and we're supposed to just forget 
or like compartmentalize like all of that's like like I, I don't know how long we're going to be talking about conspiracies to be honest because i feel like the reason why we're talking about them right now is because of what happened at the capitol like this is why people are like like in the adam curtis documentary you know i mean there's this kind of like from Brexit to the capital, like there's this, like, why, why are people behaving irrationally? Why are people, um, being, because our society is fucked up. I mean, it's right. like mm-hmm. Marx says about religion in the 19th century. It serves, it serves a need to satisfies a need and an emotional disturbance. Um, it, it's a heart of a heartless world. It's a veil of tears. Yeah. You know, the whole opium thing. I mean, right. And people yeah, are I mean, also sick. Like this pandemic is, is like, and I think, you know, in whatever you think of Zizek, like I think he pointed, I mean, he, what he said recently was that like, there's going to be a third wave and it's going to be like depression and mental illness. <laughs> hmm. I believe that. Like, I think that this pandemic and the way that like, we have not been able to handle it um, is going to cause a lot of, of mental, like long-term detrimental effects. So, you know, what are we supposed to do? Just sit here and like pat ourselves on the back for well, not believing in conspiracies? That seems hey, kind of Hey, it's not dumb. my job. What is this? How does this thing go? It's not my job to educate you. Oh, yes. yeah, that's right. That's it's what people write on Twitter. It's not my job to educate you. Yeah. In like all right, caps. So the, <laughs> the liberal, the liberal dis- disowns the social task and just says... Oh, that or the that affectation of being so tired. I hate that. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm I'm 19 years old and I'm just so tired. I'm so, so tired. Kind of with that so is tired. like how uh, like I I I I relate. There's two different types of people that the two two different responses to to racism. And one is to talk to someone you think is being racist by telling them they're being racist and you're discredited and um, I don't need to engage with you because I don't I don't need to educate you on how to not be racist. Right, right. right. And there's a second way of thinking about it. Well, there's there's enough. There's the way of I'm going to educate you on how to not to be racist. But I would say that's also useless, too, because the thing that I, I used to I, I say to one of my friends is, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson, Lyndon Mays Johnson was a racist. Sure. You know, he was an elitist. He was a lot of is. He was he was, he was a shitty person in general, but um, he did sign the Civil Rights Act. So the point is, is that racism exists. Yes. Racism is bad. Yes. How can we, you know, stop the ills of racism is the question and it isn't to there tell was gonna people. be a but there for a second that is racism is bad but no. I tell you. <laughs> right no but no, no but. but but um like how can we Fair end it how can we stop racism and it's not stopping racism isn't the question to me it's the problem with racism is the effects of it it's not the racism is a problem and you can try to educate people, but that mm-hmm. seems to be like a personal project that's going to take too long. And the point is, how do you stop the effects of racism? And that becomes a, a political economic um, solution that that becomes that goes into that type of problem. And it seems like most people don't want to engage in that because it, it, yeah. they don't want to apply the rigor. Uh, you know, Tamara, you're saying that we need to have rigor in the way we analyze these things, but having rigor is difficult. So it's a lot easier to scold people because yeah. that's a lot more psychologically more satisfying. satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just easier to do in general. 
And it's um, the worst political thing that you can do, and it alienates everybody from your message. So you can just sort of live with your self-satisfied smugness yeah, alone. But that's, that's great for the economic system we live in because the then alienation even feels more good. Atomized and fragmented. You get to feel you are right. It becomes very individual. Ah, yes. The alienation is kind of one of the yeah. you know benefits of the that sort of lip smacking satisfaction. It enforces, um, yeah, your virtuous feeling that you're alone and yeah. like this crusade. It's like this. I mean, I'm sorry, now we're off, but there's this girl I know. Like she's a good person, but I like literally I cannot look at her Instagram stories because they're just like, like, did you know that you're being racist if like XX? I mean, she's white. Oh, <laughs> like, man, what are you talking Jesus about? <laughs> Dude, like, fucking. Dude, please stop. You know, it's get just off this, your fucking. Well, it's actually like the most. It. I mean, it's so quintessentially like PMC. Yeah. It's like a PMC. that's privilege. It's that well, is privilege. I mean, imagine thinking that the solution to something like racism is education. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's that's the most just like petty. It's cr- like you just got to learn some more stuff, hey, and we'll be, you'll be better. Right. Right, like that's fucking you just need, crazy. You're just lacking what I have, and imagine which, in being a certain on the other sense, side is of true. It. Like Wells, and I yeah. have to rely on you being educated. Yeah, I have to exactly. wait for you to be educated for racism to stop. It's but, just, ugh. but that's an interesting well, point. That's it's not about education. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I used to talk about a lot, like political education. We need political education, and I do believe like we need political education. But like when you're talking about like. A, a person who has a set of beliefs that are either abhorrent or destructive or like harmful, like edu- the idea of like education as a means to solve that is not the right way. But I do think that like, oh, analytical rigor, like applying like violence to those ideas is actually useful in the sense that like you are not setting out to convert that person, but right. you are setting out to defeat the idea and whether, mm. like, like you said, like it's Lin- you know, it's it's not about like making Lyndon B. Johnson a nice guy. It's about like showing that racism is an untenable, you know, like idea. Like it's it's it, it like the the things that make you racist, the belief that like there are that there are certain people who are superior to the other based on their genetics. Like that is wrong. You have to be able to willing to prove that. And it's not about making the person who believes it like a good person. That's just bullshit. Like you know, you're well, not. I totally. Yeah, I totally agree. No, I totally agree that w- we have to be able to be critical and rational and so forth. But I, I like what Th- Thaddeus was saying before. Like, if you're serious about getting rid of that, you know, put your money where your mouth is. We have to do social change because right. the person espousing that view is the tip of the iceberg. That's downstream of the real problem. The real problem upstream is the social situation that produces these people. And this is where the political distinction comes into view. Like, if you're a liberal, you think, no, they're just individuals. He's a morally bad person. He made bad decisions. Or he's uneducated. Or she's uneducated. If you're a, if you're a socialist or whatever, a communitarian even maybe, you say this person's a product of a community. A sick person's a product of a sick community, so to speak. And, um, you know, I mean, what's harder? What's harder, ultimately, to change to change a person's mind who's so deeply embedded in this psychotic web of beliefs and ideas, worldview, or to change society? At the end of the day, you'll probably spend your whole life uh, trying to do both and um, accomplish neither. And so, you know, the weird the w- weird thing to me is just sort of to flip it flip it a little bit, like one dimension deeper. Like we're talking about the things, the emotional satisfaction that these beliefs do. What is my God? I mean, the liberals are doing it too to these people. What is the emotional satisfaction 
of scolding these people. Like, it's not my job to educate you. I mean, that's the same sort of thing. I mean, these people who say this, they also come from a socioeconomic position. And saying that to someone must be deeply satisfying, despite the fact the consequences that people, we all are more and more powerless politically, economically. I mean... Yeah, I think that's what political education is, though, I guess. Or, like, that's how I conceive of it, is, like, the actual work of, like, creating a society in which, you know, like, the ruling class is the working class. I think that's called the dictatorship. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what I call the political education, (laughs) is Um, the dictatorship of the proletariat. (laughs) I've got a lingering question I wanted to ask you, and I thought it would come up, but it didn't quite come up. So you were talking about the, just to sort of change the topic, but before we, I don't want to end without asking you about this. So you said that in former Yugoslavia, the conspiracy theory stuff in former, what? It's just very appropriate. I just received a text from someone who is complaining about their coworker who's obsessed with ancient aliens. Uh-huh. And his explanation <sighs> is basically that the tip read it, of, read it, read it. The very tip of the Great Pyramid has a position on the globe that is the same number as the speed of light. <laughs> that is too much to ignore. He is done pretending <laughs> that it isn't real. It's for real. No. I believe um, it. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but the world can't be meaningless. It has to make sense. Um so what what is it about? Because you said something. What is it that makes people so cynical and have such yeah uh, so that's skepticism what... towards institutions and authority? And I mean, I was thinking like my knowledge is limited, but um, the global institutions. I mean, when Yugoslavia, when socialism, depending how you view it, either falls apart or is destroyed. Um, people are trying to privatize public stuff. A bunch right. of wolves. Um, then eventually NATO bombing, war, um, neoliberalism. I mean, d- does, is this in the background of that too, or is it yeah. just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, it's all, it's all of it together, right? So like the wars happen in the 90s, they're fueled by these nationalist narratives that tear apart this project that was, uh, you know, to create a, in, you know, a super national state um, uh, in which different, you know, so-called ethnicities speaking different dialects of the same language could live together. Also different, you know, religious backgrounds in the case of Bosniaks and, you know, Serbs. So you have Catholics, uh, Orthodox and, and Bosnians. And uh, that all falls apart in the 90s and the wars and the end of, you know, Titoism and, and, and socialism. And and basically, you know, I mean, what I'm looking at specifically is um, this uh, people, uh, it's it's the the these different institutions are collapsing, um, among other things, also, you know, education, university education, the quality of that it's being opened up to, uh, exploitation by, um, you know, multinationals and in particular, uh, tech actually in the past couple of decades. So there are a lot of tech companies that have gone into the Balkans and have, um, hired, uh, you know, skilled programmers because you have a pretty skilled workforce there in, in most of Eastern Europe, um, an English speaking precariat workforce to do, um, you know, uh, to, they just outsource their work out there. And so you have, um, there was actually a case of a scandal in Sweden because the Swedish government had mined out a lot of uh, uh, programming to Serbian programmers who now had access over Swedish like citizen data. 
Mm. Um, so, I mean, my point is that like with this form of exploitation and also, um, the concurrent, like this is all happening in the nineties when like the economy is like being, um, are, you know, uh, explicitly rewired through the internet, like, I mean, wired into the global like network, the D the, the DNA of like the internet. And that has consequences for the Balkans. Like there's this kind of, uh, uh, there's this coming together of like tech exploitation with, um, you know, the end of socialism that make um, people profoundly, you know, skeptical about um, both like the idea of globalism, like the mm -hmm. global network. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, like seeing connections between the local and the global that either don't exist and or just consuming uh, like conspiracies that come from the United States, for example. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's I mean, it's look like Serbia is doing really well right now with vaccinations, like a thousand times better than the EU because they um, started bringing in uh, Sputnik V, the Russian vaccine, pretty early. Mm -hmm. Has a pretty high uh, rate, uh, apparently, of success. My uh, godmother, who's a doctor, was telling me 97%, but in the newspapers, they were repeating, they were reporting 91%. So a lot of people in Serbia are being um, vaccinated with Sputnik, um, but they also had other types of vaccines coming. I think AstraZeneca, and they also had, I think, the Chinese vaccine, which I didn't even, yeah. They got, like, they got kind of the best of both worlds because they're, you know, they don't belong to West or East. So they got everything. And in Europe, um, everybody's fucked because they didn't develop their own vaccine. And, you know, <laughs> Pfizer, like, there's just no vaccine going around at the moment. It's awful. In Austria, like nursing homes are still in lockdown. Like it's, it's really bad. Um, which is part of the reason why there are these, these marches continue happening. So, you know, you have that in Serbia right now, you have a pretty good situation and it remains to be seen how many people will actually go and get vaccinated because the anti-vax thing is very big there. Right. So like that is something that I am concerned about. I talked to my uncle today, though, and he says that hundreds of thousands of people have been vaccinated in Serbia right now, which is not a bad number. It's actually better than I was hoping for. Um, so, yeah, this is sort of the this is what I'm looking at, I guess, is this kind of like the the uh, um it's just a kind of historical accident really that you have a country whose socialist project has like gone up in flames in this like really spectacular way, like it did in the Balkans with like the occurrence of like the nineties, which was the end of history for like a lot of people, but not for people in, in, in Balkans. All right. Mm. What? Well, as we approach the end, I think it would be appropriate to ask, for final thoughts. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. Final thoughts. I mean, I can't, you can't you're in Austria, that, uh, Tamara, you're in, um, um, these are going to be Adam's thoughts though, because I can reach him. And I'm going to, what do you mean? Why not? Never mind. My brain is like crashing for some reason. I'm like starving. Um, no, I, I just keep coming back to to like this need for so like earlier I someone mentioned I think it was you who mentioned uh, somebody mentioned the relationship between like Bush and the, and mm. like, the Bin Ladens right mm. and you know like there's our world is run by a very small class of elites mm -hmm. and like most people just don't have access to like you know, what that, what that life is like. 
and what their lives are like. Mm. And so if you see some sort of connection between the Bush and Bin Laden's, you think, I mean, it's easy to think like, man, that's some sinister shit. They're plotting They're together. so unrelated. They're so different. How could they be connected? But it really, it's just like, no, they just do business together. Because that's just like how, it, it's like how it works. But, you know, like that, that, that gap, you know. But between, wait a sec. One speaks English and the other one speaks Arabic. How could they communicate? I don't know. I mean, translation is, I know, very difficult. <laughs> um, I also know that the Bin Ladens, you know, famously, none of them spoke any English at all. So, so you mean George Bush speaks Arabic? He does. Well, he's secretly Muslim, actually. Mm. Is that what they're saying? Huh? Yeah. He was the first Muslim. <laughs> uh, you know, before before about no, I'm making I'm making this okay, up. Okay, okay. You're looking at me like I'm serious. <laughs> well, Pull this you, out of my ass well, right now. Well, I've heard some crazy shit. No, I, I I don't know. I to me, I just I think that Jameson's, you know, the way that Jameson thinks about um, conspiracy theories is you know basically sort of a reflection or sort of a you know a symptom of of that of that need to sort of grasp totality, the totality of social relations, mm. but not being able to because of, you know, how alienated and 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 sort of atomized we are, mm. you know, and just structurally by virtue of, you know, our own limited sort of position. Um, and it just seems obvious to me, I guess, with mm. a lot of these. Um, I mean, obviously the particulars change from person, from theory to theory and from situation to situation, but to me, that that seems to be the under that seems to be like sort of the through line for a lot of these. Mm. So, all right, Daddy's, what you got? Um, ancient aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> we really live in seventeen twenty one because the Middle Ages never happened. Um, uh, Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit shot JFK with a tune gun. And um, since nice. Prince, um, the artist formerly known as Prince, rest in peace, believed in chemtrails, I believe in chemtrails. <laughs> and um, yeah, the QAnon shaman deserves his um, organic diet in prison. That's that's what I got. Don't forget that Paul McCartney died and was replaced by some. Oh right, Paul is dead, and someone oh, else. Yeah. Tupac's alive, also. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For sure, two bucks alive. Um, my final right, thought. Gemma. My final thought really is that I I think that I am a kind of person who would probably susceptible to believe in a lot of this, like especially like the conspiracy theories that are you know popular on the left. Like I I think that the CIA is a rotten, shitty organization and probably did a lot of really evil shit. And I'm not going to say it, um, but you know, like if you gave me like the facts, I would just start you know. But I I mean, I guess in some ways I'm I'm very gullible, and so. <laughs> What I have uh, basically done when it comes to most conspiracies, like I watched the Oliver Stone, started watching Oliver Stone on JFK, and I just had to turn it off because I was like, I will become insane if I continue to watch this. I will, mm-hmm. I will become like a JFK, mm-hmm. you know, truther or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like basically, I think that um, the reason why they're so insufficient, or the reason why I have to keep myself away from them, is like at the same time, like they're both tempting. Like it's tempting to to want to search, like you were saying, for that totality. But, you know, when you don't have all the pieces there, you can't actually do it. So, like, Mm -hmm. until you give me all the pieces, I just can't put the thing together. Like, I need actual Mm -hmm. proof that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that 
I need more information about why Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy and I need it to be kind of authenticated, you know, and I need, and I need like, I need like a declassification of documents or something in order for me to like, to start really believing this stuff. So what I'm trying to say is that like, it's for my own mental health that I just kind of cut myself off from certain types of, you know, things that I want to believe, but that at the same time, you know, I do understand why people, people want to search for a, a totality and, um, and I definitely think that the left is really doing a poor job of addressing this question, that they've stigmatized conspiracy in this weird way that they did with populism in 2016. And that, you know, mm-hmm. like, I understand that people are pissed off at the Corona, like, protests because it's like super spreading events, basically. It pisses me off, too. But like, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and feel righteous and virtuous in my apartment. Like, I need to figure out more about what makes these people go out. That's it. All right. Everybody should watch. Uh, what's that Nicholas Cage? This where he steals the Declaration of Independence. I have no idea. National Treasure. Oh, National Treasure. There we go. He's a Freemason. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The best <laughs> of the conspiracy theories. We've, the we didn't mention that. We one, didn't though. mention that. We also didn't talk about Crisis. The whole Crisis actor Why stuff. Why Friday what's the Thirteenth exists? You don't know the oh, Crisis yeah. actor one? Oh, oh shit. man. Come on, come on, come on. What is it? It was like San- during Sandy Hook shootings. Mm. That like basically none of the kids died, and they just hired people to be set to pretend they hired actors flags. for the parents, and basically it was all to garner up support to take uh, your guns to take your guns away. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, I mean that that pathology seems pretty obvious to me. You know, sort of mm. a paranoid fantasy, but they're coming for me. You know, and in my stuff. But but it's it, but it's interesting because you know people would they would find pictures and they'd say look at this this guy is obviously this guy he's at both things you know why would he be you know it's mm-hmm. crazy it's crazy I mean it's and it's sad of course because a bunch of kids died and these people are like they're not dead it's also sad that a person is in that space yeah oh totally that the they, whole thing that they is think just they're so they're so tragic. fearful and anxious and insecure that they think Marjorie Taylor is- Green was doing that mm-hmm. she was running around yelling at like the hog kid about how he was a crisis actor. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So pause the word <coughs> postponing the end. Tell me, what is this all about? Yes. Alex Jones was a big, prop- he, he kind of, uh, propelled the Sandy hook stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Both of you. What it, what it, but Alex Jones is totally insincere. He's canceled now. Isn't he's he? insincere. He's just, he's just, he likes to be, he's just, he's, he's just Twitter. hawking supplements. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like one, which makes you slightly more red than the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. The crisis actor stuff is very, very, it, it's a really, it's a deeply, well, I mean, I also think it's probably some sort of reaction to, to like, this can't actually be real. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is. Like people. you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. You've got to be kidding like, me. Like there's no way someone could actually, you know, our like life isn't this bad, but actually It can't be this bad. Someone is, did this to you me. Know. That's a very well, that's generous, this bad. yeah, generous way to look at it, but That's maybe. how I feel about the JFK stuff. I think you've got to be fucking kidding me. I mean like you can't hit a deer with one of those guns when you go hunting. <laughs> how did he do that? You've got to be fucking kidding me. You know? Like, how has shit gotten this bad in this country? The people walk around saying it's the greatest country on earth in one breath, and then another breath, they're like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. What's the senator, though? I don't know about this person. I hear that she oh, got gone. kicked off two, two committees or whatever. 
Um, yeah, she's, um, oh my God, I don't know. She's like a fairly wealthy, uh, white woman from Georgia who, um, yeah, she, she's like a QAnon person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's got a very, uh, interesting physiognomy. If you haven't looked at her face yet, it's, uh, striking. Um, do you she, think you can read the character <laughs> of her soul from the structure of her skull? She, yeah, she's definitely got a skull. Um, just look, look at a picture of her. She had, it was just, it just came out that she was ha- like in a polycule. What's that? Uh, a right? polycule. It's like a polyamorous mm. sort of, it's fucking stupid is what it is. She was with a CrossFit. Oh, right, gotcha. Yeah. CrossFit. What? She was with like her CrossFit teacher or something. And then the, another guy who looks very interesting. You just got to look up like Marjorie Taylor Greene, polyamory, and you'll find all kinds of pictures. Oh, What's the right wing coming to? They don't, where their moral standards are just, they're getting weird, I think. They've been the weird. OAN, like the they're one wait, American. Wait. You mean they were weird before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the evangelicals. Yeah. Very fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, sorry guys, we got it. But like Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Green, like I every time she comes up in the news, I'm just like, I, I don't actually understand. Like I feel like the left, like the left, I'm sorry. I feel like like Democrats are trying to just sort of um use her to like paint the whole party as like crazy extremism, but it's like they are already crazy extremists. This person mm-hmm. is just like she mm-hmm. doesn't belong. She's just fucking crazy, you know. Like I don't. Well, care that's a about sizable her. part of the constituency, isn't it? I mean, the I've heard rumbling. So Trump, Trump said he wanted to start his own party, the Patriot Party. I've also heard the establishment GOP types. Mm-hmm. They want to start their own party, and there's, some of them are going to the to the um, to the Democrats. And so, I mean, it seems like there's a big shakeup going on. Um, I guess no? we'll, see. we'll see. I'm not sure. I don't think that the GOP is going to. Honestly, nope. I don't think that's how power works on the right. I think they'll be able to consolidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the character of it. If 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 the char- if the premise is that they're authoritarians, authoritarians are going to consolidate and get in line yeah. behind whoever has the power. It's just exactly. that what you're seeing is a power struggle and whoever comes out on top, they're going to consolidate around that person. What are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing? Oh, I, I totally agree. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we live in exciting times, people. I suppose if I had to give my final thought, it'd be the, in the words of uh, Chairman Mao. There is great disorder under heaven, so the situation is excellent. <laughs>